Hello and welcome back to the Sin Cinema Snobs, your weekly, although I shouldn't say weekly, being that I checked and our last episode was uploaded almost a month ago. Um, well, I got sick for like a month, which there didn't was help. There was some sickness. And, and we had, we're in the midst of the holidays, too. Midst of the holidays, busy work week. But that being said, we have a super jam-packed episode. We're going to try to buzz through a lot of cool movie reviews. And all of these different flavors of jam. That as well. It is a jam-packed <laughs> Mark's over there just snickering at himself like, <laughs> mm, smuckers. So instead of going on any sort of like, how are you doing thing that all podcasts do, let's, yeah. um, let's just jump right into it. And I know that you saw Justice League. So I, I, I guess I should yeah. say we have some movie reviews. Not all of them are super recent. Uh, I know one of them is. But Justice League's recent enough that it's I think. Been in the, it was within the last month. <laughs> yeah, precisely. So I think it's, it's worth uh, talking about. So you got you went and saw it when you were sick. Yeah, someone said it's like watching a, cart- a Saturday morning cartoon, and I can't agree more. It's just like two hours of things happening with characters you sort of recognize. Yeah, and I, I don't know, like I don't know why everybody's happy about Ben Affleck wanting to leave and leaving. Like Ben Affleck's pretty quality filmmaker thus far. For some reason, of- everybody hated him becoming Batman. And I don't know. I've why. never been able to get. An actual reason out of anybody. No, it's almost always like, Ben Affleck sucks. I'm like, what have you seen him be terrible in? Oh, Geely. Some... Yeah, right, and I'm like, you didn't even watch Geely. Yeah, I don't know. And I, well, you know, I unfortunately did watch it with some friends because we, when it came out of DVD, we're like, everybody says this sucks, but how Let's bad see how it bad suck? it actually is. It's really funny because, like, Martin Brest, up until that point, was, like, a pretty reliable filmmaker. You know, yeah. it had a good word on a comedy, but it's just... It's just all over the place. The big, most egregious error is, what's that kid's name? Justin Bartha. I hate that I know all these random actors' names. But he's playing a kid with some sort of developmental disorder or Down syndrome or something along those lines. Uh-huh. And he plays it exactly the way you think that you would have a 16-year-old play it. But this isn't about Geely or about my love affair with Ben Affleck, which I don't really have. I just think Ben Affleck's talented and, and not a bad actor. And would have made an awesome Bruce Wayne and Batman had he been put into good, good, Bat- movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. good Batman movies. And it's funny because, and it just, to me, proves the idiocy of the audience often, right? Because they're just going to be like... <laughs> Ben Affleck sucks as Batman. I'm like, does he suck as Batman? Well, the movie's bad. I'm like, okay, those are two wildly different statements. Is the movie bad or is he bad in it? And usually if you ask enough questions, you usually found out that he's not bad. And I thought in Justice League, he, he gets most of like the good, like, real moments. Yeah. And I think I talked to you about one line. There's a really good line about him, between him and Jeremy Irons, another talented actor somehow suckered into this. Uh about how Bruce Wayne is the least human of all of the superhumans. And I thought yeah. it was a really great scene. I was like, wow, this is a really great scene. And a lesser actor probably wouldn't have handled it, but Ben Affleck's pretty talented, you know? And again, since he makes good movies, I think he knows what good movies are. And I just, I always think back to the rumors of him angrily rewriting the scripts of these movies on set in the bat suit. In, the, and in costume is the best image I can ever conjure. <laughs> I want that documentary. <laughs> James Franco, if you're listening, make the disaster room out of all of the WB superheroes. And you have an, James Franco has been Affleck playing Batman. And he's like, amazing is Affleck. You're like, I don't know what it is. He just got his cold de- demeanor down. I don't know. Uh, anyway, stare. I wouldn't tell people to see it. But it's like a step in the right direction. Like, the, here's, here's the best part. They just made a Marvel movie. And honestly, the lo- more Marvel movies I see, the less excited I am about Marvel 
being successful these days. As an OG yeah. Marvel fan, I'm just like... <laughs> At least, I guess, Marvel's making watchable movies. Yeah, they're totally and... competent B-minuses across the board. They're, you know what Marvel is? Marvel's the honor student that knows they don't have to try. <laughs> And they're just like, oh, whatever. I can like just show up, and I'll get at least to see on this. True. And that's totally the, that is a hundred percent true. Yeah. Man. You know. So it's kind of a bummer, but you know. Yeah, just be nice know, if people guess, wanted to make great movies, like in I've, the blockbuster world. Uh, one thing I've been seeing a lot of recently, and I don't know why I've been seeing it recently. I just happened to see it on Facebook. Is um, people talking about movies that are in quotes perfectly fine. Because I remember, no, no, you didn't say that about uh, Justice League. Somebody said Justice League was perfectly fine. I saw somebody on Facebook post about that movie Life, the one that they had Jake Gyllenhaal oh, and a few yeah, other. Maybe yeah. uh, Ryan Reynolds. I can't remember. But a lot of people saying like, oh, well, realistically, yeah, it's like it's perfectly fine. To be honest, though, I would much, <laughs> I would rather watch a, a movie trademark. that's really bad than something that's perfectly fine. Because when I hear perfectly fine, I hear mediocre. Because I, I, I guess there's two ends of the spectrum. There are movies that are, that are perfectly fine and fun and, you know, a B minus. Yeah. But a lot of times those B minus movies to me are like, well, whatever. Like, What's I guess I, I guess I was entertained. And I, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's, I guess there's weird tiers to entertainment. Whereas like with Justice League, I would, or I guess Batman versus Superman. Like I would rather watch that over Justice League because at least I know with that it's going to be really bad. It's like, and, and I'll gain something from that. I rarely gain any sort of filmic vocabulary or knowledge from a movie that's just perfectly fine. I mean, just look at all that. And again, not to rag on Marvel this way, but like look at the Marvel movies. That's there's a reason there's no discernible. St- I mean, the style is Marvel. Not it almost doesn't matter that there's a different set of directors on every film. There, I joke about this all the time. They're lit like a sitcom. That's yeah. all just like flat, high key across the board. Everybody looks the same. There's no drama to it. And even when they tried for a hot second, I felt like maybe in Doctor Strange, someone must have been putting the kibosh on that immediately. And I don't know. I, I just, think we need to label it. What's the name of the dude that came in and did all the rewrites for Justice League? Why am Joss I, Whedon. It's like the Joss Whedon effect. Because I've been saying for four years, and it was one of the first things we talked about when we, when we started like talking about Joss Whedon and really airing our grievances with him, is that he doesn't have any style, like, at all. No. He's the most stylist uh, style-less filmmaker that I can realistically think of off the, off the top of my head. Joss Whedon made me think I could direct a big-budget film one day, and I have no vision. I just got to direct it like it's an episode of a TV show. Yeah, just a TV simple show, two shots. A simple t- a TV show with no style. Yeah, <laughs> which a is TV- weird in a, in a day and age where we have like so many cinematic shows. What makes me really upset is that I take like, okay, so to tie this in with the whole superhero and that's lightweight tie but just in the marvel universe i've talked at length about how good legion was and legion is a show that is like dripping with style and visual technique and like it's a good it's and the writing tackles like dealing with mental illness pretty cleverly like the whole show is just like it feels like every aspect is something that someone really it was a labor of love and passion to them and I think we kind of talked about this a bit with the Ready Player One trailer from Steven Spielberg, how it's like, who directed this? Like, it could have literally been nobody. It looks like, what's that kid's name? Joe Kaczynski that makes terrible movies. He did Tron Legacy. He did that one about Tom Cruise and the clones and Morgan Freeman. I think it's called Oblivion. All <laughs> all very, like, C-minus movies, right? Yeah, like, yeah. 
Although it's really funny, hindsight, Tron Legacy is literally like the blueprint for all of the new Marvel and Star Wars movies. Like everything Disney's doing, Tron Legacy already did, just nobody cared about Tron enough is really yeah. the reality, right? You mm -hmm. know, And they picked a very vanilla lead, which they typically do in a lot of their movies these days. But that notwithstanding, uh, it's just it's just interesting to see all this happen. I kind of lost my train of thought there because I got mad about the Tron thing. But Oh, yeah. No, that, that with Ready oh, Player oh, One. Oh, yeah. It's like Steven Spielberg. How did Steven Spielberg, like the master class filmmaker and artist, make that trailer? It looks like a dumb video game. And it looks oh, like... Let's, I mean, let's be realistic. When you sit Steven Spielberg down and he's doing a movie that's 98% CG. Yeah. Like... None of those movies really. He doesn't care. This I have to assume at this point he doesn't. It's he weird because I, I feel like he cares, but I feel like he's like a little kid in a sandbox and like let's do this and let's do this and let's do this. Which don't get me wrong, if I'm sure, if I was a director that was given carte blanche over all these crazy tools, yeah, I might go nuts too. I just don't see how like somebody like Steven Spielberg, who's made all these super influential films and movies that have a vision does something like this where it just, it feels like a cartoon. It feels like a video game. And I don't want to play, I don't want to watch a video game. I want to play a video game. The thing game. is, and, and I know it's a little bit of stylistic choice because of the source material, but I mean, a lot of these things that we were complaining about in the trailer, like the really bad CGI camera moves. Yeah. That was stuff he kind of invented in his own movies. Like, do you remember what a big deal that was in War of the Worlds when he first did oh, that? Oh, true, yeah. But think about how understated and clever it is. And you don't notice it because it feels like natural, real camera movements it's like, he's like George Lucasing himself a little bit. It's like, you can almost look at his early work. And like, And I say early work, that movie's what, like 10 years old? So he's had keys to that key. Steven Spielberg is that guy, right? Like, yeah. I can't imagine anybody says no to him ever. And if he wanted to be like, I want to make a $400 million project about <laughs> farting and it's all CG, someone's bank, Frank Marshall, is rolling up to that door like, knock, knock, knock. He's like, I'll produce this, baby. I'll Let's fart in your this. mouth right now. Yeah, Kathleen Kennedy's like dripping right now at the idea of just like throwing the mouth just like oh i meant drooling but whatever it's fine she might, she might be dripping she recently was hosed down but no all kidding aside it's just the whole thing is just ridiculous to me i so i, I don't know anyways i i i can see Everything, how blockbuster filmmaking is bad that's all yeah although before we go into any other movie reviews are there any blockbusters coming up this holiday season that i'm not thinking about that are that could be exciting I mean, I think Last Jedi might be. I think oh, Ryan yeah, Last Jedi is I think Ryan Johnson's an interesting filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, I still. And I know next week we'll definitely have. Yeah, we'll your, talk like about I've it. like I've already determined. Well, like, we have to find out if I am going to continue with the Star Wars franchise after this movie. This is like my final straw for them. Kind of like I did to Marvel a while back, where I was like, "Look, well, I have loved you." Let the I, audience know what what what, what what's going to happen in this movie that might be your final straw. I think the only thing that would really make me mad about this, and it would just confirm my Kathleen Kennedy is an ageist film producer, is if they kill Luke Skywalker off. And even if they do it in a really awesome way, I just, there's like this part of me that's like, why bother going through all these movies in the first place? I know you want to introduce a new cast, so why not just do that entirely rather than drag everybody out for like one last ride? I don't want one last ride. Either put him in the movie as like a useful character, you know, because at this point he had what, like 20 seconds of screen time in The Force Awakens. He's literally the highest paid featured extra of all time. He made like <laughs> 25 or 30 million for that shot, okay? Wait, seriously? Something crazy. It might just be 20, but he made, yeah, because Harrison made 50 million on that movie. So just to give you an idea of the kind of. I always forget how much actors can be paid, because I know those are obviously 
crazy budgeted movies. But. Yeah, because they're like, they're like, look, this movie's going to do a billion dollars easy. You know, it's like them paying Robert Downey Jr. $50 million to show up in Spider-Man. for. And by the way, and he's great in the Spider-Man movie and everything. And I, I love Robert Downey Jr. as a performer. I'm yeah. never mad when the actors are getting paid, right? Yeah. Because I also know now, having done some acting, you don't get paid almost anything at first. So it's like a big payoff when you're like, oh, it was like the, the bars. Whatever, let's just put the bars in tone. I accidentally said a bad word. So thankfully, due to the magic of editing, we've removed it. The point is, and I guess I really shouldn't be so definitive, because I'm going to try and do it no spoilers next week. Yeah. I would say probably the week after that, though, I don't really care anymore, because whatever. Like, yeah. I feel like with a big budget film like this, you get like two weeks, in my opinion, to not get spoiled. And after that, it's not, not on my, I don't care. And so I guess the thing is, is like I joke, I won't say anything. Like if he does die in this movie, I won't tell you next week. I will lose my mind probably the following week if I have to. But I, uh, I it's just the same old thing where I kind of just feel like they're. It's kind of my complaint about Ready Player One. I think they're just kind of nostalgia baiting us a little bit. And yeah. It's just like, hey, remember how much you loved Luke Skywalker? Well, here's. I, it's this other thing where I also think that the people making these movies sometimes don't know why they were great in the first place. And I get that it's like art and everybody takes different stuff away from it. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I just look at things like. It, I don't know. It it doesn't need to be that subjective. Like yeah. I, you know, there's there's definitely certain unalienable truths in regards to storytelling, right? Like there's certain like this is the hero's journey. This is about this. So as a fan, I kind of get. By. I was talking about this poster I got a few years ago for Christmas, and it's a killer Star Wars piece of fan art, right? It's awesome. It's like a big. It's like a triptych, right? Of like the entire franchise. But something that bothers me is that they like make Han Solo the forefront of it. And Han Solo is definitely not the main character of the franchise, yeah. no matter how cool fans think he is, right? Boba Fett, also not a major character in this. They're like in short scenes. So it's one of those things that I'm like kind of just bummed because like, I don't know, I feel like the point of the story was to watch Luke Skywalker's character grow and change and all that. It's like his story more than anybody else's. And so for them to kind of just like throw him to the wayside bums me out. If Again, if that happens, yeah. I, I would just be afraid. Even if it's some great, wonderful death scene, I'm not invested in him coming back as a ghost. You know, people would be like, well, what about Obi-Wan? I'm like, you knew Obi-Wan for like 20 minutes before he got iced. And he, you know what I mean? He wasn't yeah. like a deep-seated character for 30 years. Like he is now, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things. I, I get a little fan frustrated. And I'm kind of just at this point where I think everything I love is going to betray me, so... So, Radio Artifact, if you do anything bad to me. Uh, anyway, so that's my, that's, my, that's my nerd culture rant for this week. Uh, fans just always ruin everything. Just, I just wish every fan could be, you know, an impeccably brilliant genius like just myself at the top. All of, the time. The best IQ, you know. The best. So. Yeah. Oh, well, well, we'll find out next week when we get the when, hour, when I'm the silent. Hour, the hour-long spoiler-free review. <laughs> There's so, a, uh, my buddy Jason at Making Star Wars did. I saw this last night and I was like, I love you, man, but I don't know if I have time to listen to this. But they did a they did a Star Wars Last Jedi podcast last night for their Making Star. I think it's called uh, Now That Now This Is Podcasting, uh, and they did a four hour long review episode last night. Now the movie's only two and a half hours long. It's very. I'm curious to listen to it. Four hours though. <laughs> But, Oof, yeah, I was just like, yikes. And they are like, the first 25 minutes is spoiler-free. I'm glad everybody's talking about it, right? And part of me is like, I'm really happy people finally love Star Wars. I don't feel ostracized from culture. But now that I'm here, I'm just like, oh, you guys like all the terrible parts of cool things. Like, you know, I read a review saying that this movie's funny. Why? 
Like, why does it need to? Be? I don't know. Because they're, they're making it a Marvel Because thing. everybody's Marvel, exactly. Because everybody wants that Iron Man 1 money. H- humor is, one, is, a, is a universal language. And that's and a, cool. And a studio knows if they can insert any amount of humor into Super it. broad jokes, you but know. Still, like, there is a part of me that, that keeps thinking, like, this is, I'm sure this movie, and I, yeah. I often feel like I don't have the right to say anything because I'm not, like, super whatever. excited or whatever. That being said, like, there's a ton of money thrown behind it, a lot of big brains. Sure. I don't feel like they put stupid jokes It's not going to be, like, fart jokes. It's not I mean, it's like, like you got to even think back to, like, when they introduced the Porgs, and I was like, oh, what kind of cash grab is this? And you were the one telling me, like, I don't know. I don't know if it was. It's a, if it's Let's a cash see what grab. happens. Yeah. You so know. I'm sure the humor will end up being sure. I'm hoping that you know. I when the Porgs first showed up, my immediate thoughts was to one of the missions in Knights of the Old Republic, and I forget mm-hmm. what the little creatures are, but they infest your ship in that game. And I was like, oh, that would be fun if this is like a weird deep cut reference. But what do I know? I just wasted my youth on something that would later betray me, just like the Star Wars films. <laughs> yeah. So. Art imitating life, or is it the other way around? <laughs> Farts okay. imitating if life. If only. Now, a movie made by Steven Spielberg. I would watch that. So I know we've complained about big budget films, and I know something you've brought up to me in person recently is just how we keep seeing this undercurrent of movies aren't good anymore. Yeah. And I don't agree with that. I just don't think that blockbuster movies are good anymore, but I feel like everything else coming out is kind of awesome all the time now. Yeah, there's tons of awesome things. I, most of the time, people that say that just they don't watch movies. They're like bandwagon people that have which to is, wait for The Verge to tell them. By the way, did you know that The Force Awakens? Which, is, a which is fine because it's like it's like me with music. Like I like plenty of music. Sure. I rare, but I'm also not audacious enough to go out and say that music's not good anymore. Sure. I don't personally go out and seek music unless somebody's like, "Oh, hey, Holland, you, like, you like this band? You should really check this out." Uh, I don't really know why people say that. I really hate when people say that about Netflix. I'm like, nothing good is on Netflix. And I'm like, do you realize how many movies are on there? Thousands upon thousands of films. Yeah. And you can't find something that you would like to watch. Oh, I better just rewatch The Office again. <laughs> oh, for the 14th Oh, I get it. You like stuff that's super easy to like. <laughs> yeah, that you don't have to think about at right. all. Um, I can't wait till The Office leaves Netflix just for that reason unsubscribing oh. you know the memes that day I know a lot, of people sa- a lot of people kept saying that about um, Always Sunny leaving oh. and I'm like I love Always Sunny it is one of my favorite shows but when a lot of people were like I'm getting rid of Netflix now I'm like Did, are you paying for Netflix only to watch Always one Sunny one show and one and on, the, on the other end how many times have you watched it? <laughs> you know like I, and I get it I'll put on Always Sunny in the background yeah. if I'm cleaning and the house like, it's, right. it's there it's e- it, and that may, that's like a totally different thing than you watching but I'm not going to pay $2 you know I mean? a month just to have something on to have back. It's Always Sunny background exactly dude but I'll just get my I just get my Frank Reynolds soundboard out whenever I feel lonely and just have, have you know have my magnum <laughs> <laughs> so good Hey everyone, this is Holland with the Sin Cinema Snobs, your weekly movie review and news show. You're listening to this on Radio Artifact at 1660 AM, also streaming over at RadioArtifact.com. Thanks for listening. Um, okay, so I guess getting into a next little review, I'll try to keep this sort of short. Mm-hmm. As I didn't write my thoughts down beforehand, so we'll see how off the thoughts are goes. useless, Holland. So I went this weekend and saw uh, three bill- billboards in Ebbing, Missouri, or outside of Ebbing, Missouri, which is the new film by Martin McDonough. 
and um, I'm pretty positive he's done in Bruges. In Bruges, uh, uh, what was the one before that? In Bruges is the one that I need to rewatch. The, it was that. Like not the Bodyguard. That was his brother that did the What's Bodyguard. The the Seven Psychopaths Seven was Psychopaths. the other movie Martin McDonough did. Did Martin McDonough do Calvary? Maybe I think that does sound right. Okay, which was which because was great, his brother is Brendan also Gleason McDonough, and I forget his name, but he yeah. did The Guard. I really love that movie. I need to watch that one. You've told me a lot about it. We'll trade copies at some point. We'll do Sweet. that, and I'll watch In Bruges, even though I have a copy of In Bruges. I just haven't oh, watched it. Still. God, I love In Bruges. Um, so, if you're familiar with Mark McDonough, he makes <laughs> violent, dark comedy films. Yeah, I think it's the best way. To, sometimes have like a little bit of a satirical tone, uh, but never goes over the top to where it becomes parody ever. It's, I, th- I think it's seven, like a step before a Tarantino in that regard, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I was about to drop Tarantino's name for a second. Um, but I decided not to after, after the last episode. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, so this film far, follows, uh, Francis McDormand, I believe her name is. She was in Fargo. Uh, it's set in a, a fictional town called Ebbing, Missouri. And the whole plot is that she rents out three billboards outside of the town and puts a message up them uh, on them for the police chief because her daughter had been raped and murdered. And she's kind of like, hey, why haven't we found the killer yet? So she's kind of stirring the pot in this town and creating a, a chain of events, if you will. Um, it has uh, Woody Harrelson. It has Sam Rockwell. It has, uh, and I cannot remember his name, but he was a character in The Wire. He's one of those, d- he's not the stern black man we always talk about. Not Michael K. Williams. Not Michael K. Williams. Uh, it's a different guy. It has an all-star cast. It also has, um, what's his name? The dwarf from Game of Thrones. I am, oh, uh, I feel so tired today. Peter I'm Dinklage. Just, yeah, I'm just blanking on everybody's I'm, I'm pulling the IMDb page up as you're talking to fill in the gaps. Um, it is very good. I, I think it's... What, what's interesting about this film is that Martin McDonough is definitely on his A-game. <laughs> he does everything in this film that he does right all the time. It, uh, <coughs> it's, it's really funny. It's well-written. The, there's a lot of great moments of character redemption. So uh, you'll hate characters at the beginning of the movie. And by the end, you really feel for them because you see their transformation and you see them wrap back around and essentially become, while still inherently flawed individuals, they've learned from their mistakes. Um, I th- my problems with this movie are kind of minor, but also big enough to where I feel like there should have been some restructuring of the actual plot itself. Okay. Uh, Frances McDormand is great in everything. I love her character in this. She plays this kind of, uh, uh, beat up woman, like really strong in your face, but also like very sensitive, especially okay. there's like a whole undercurrent in the film of uh, not undercurrent, a theme of like, she was abused by her husband and left them and whatnot. Um, there is a moment though, where a character, and I'm not really spoiling too much because so much happens in this film and I don't really want to talk too much about the, about the story. Sure. One of my big problems was that there's this whole scene where a dude comes in and tries to threaten her, mm-hmm. uh, and alludes that he's the one that raped her daughter. Okay. But in a weird way, while it comes back up later, it ultimately amounts to nothing. And in my mind, either they keep the, the, Martin McDonough could have done something different with it sure. or just completely cut it out because like days after watching the movie, I kept thinking, why? What was the point of that? Yeah. Like I was like, the scene didn't really amount to anything. It didn't add any, any real tension. I will say 
as always, Sam Rockwell steals, steals the show. I just, oh, I wish he would get, like, I wish he could act for, like, a director like Paul Thomas Anderson or something. Oh, absolutely. Just to get him in with one of those super, like, um, American classic directors. Because he is such. He deserves that. He's, he's a gem. He's like, I don't He's in so many. And he even he's even paid his Marvel dues. He showed up in one of those early on. Actually, has one of my favorite gags in the entire Marvel Iron universe. Man 3? Iron Man Two. Iron Man Two. Oh, they did one of these great things, and it was like it's something I miss about John Favreau being involved in those movies because, and I think probably part of the reason he's not anymore, and why I'm shocked, and probably why he won't get a Star Wars movie, even though I think he should. Mm-hmm. Although I think he got offered Episode Seven at some point. Anyway. Um, there's a scene in that movie where they've got Sam Rockwell and he's supposed to be like this idiot, like a Walmart brand Robert Downey Jr., right? Mm. And so you've got Robert Downey Jr. who's like good looking, tan, well manicured, all this stuff, right? And they do the same thing with Rockwell's character and they have this great moment where he's talking with somebody, he's talking with his hands and you can tell he's so cut, right, that he has the self-tanner all over his palms because he's such an idiot it was just, like, such a great moment of character development that is, like, rare. Yeah. And I've latched onto that scene because I love it. And Sam Rockwell's great anyway. But it's, like, one of those things I was like, here's what an idiot this guy is. And I don't think – I feel like it's, like, one of those things that I don't think – I've never – I've looked it up online to be like, anyone else notice this? And obviously other people have, but it's not, like, talked about. Anyway, Rockwell's been great in everything I've ever seen him in. And I love going back to even old stuff like Galaxy Quest. Oh, I love Galaxy Do you remember him Quest. in that? As the, uh, he's like the Guy Fleegman or whatever. Yep, yep. <laughs> so good. Uh, to throw a little um, trivia for us, Martin McDonough's brother is John Michael McDonough. So he directed The Guard, which I really liked. He also wrote and directed Calvary. So, okay. So the brother did Calvary. And then he also did a movie last year with Michael Pena. Hmm. Yeah, he wrote and directed it. It's Michael Pena and Alexander Skarsgård, which is funny because I think he's worked with the Elder Skarsgård before the Brent, uh, not, not Brendan Gleeson. That's obviously the Thinking Man's Bad Boys is how this movie is described. It's called oh. the War on Everyone. Two corrupt cops set out to blackmail and frame every criminal unfortunate enough to cross their paths. However, this is comp- it almost sound. <laughs> this sounds bad, but he almost sounds like Diet Martin McDonough on this <laughs> on a, this plot. Summary. It's really funny because like I really liked Calvary. Very very interesting film. Yeah. I. If I just saw the last name, like obviously I would have, I would immediately assume it's Martin McDonough. But in a weird way, it very much feels like a Martin McDonough film. Think, I it think, has like the same weird, like odd, odd cast of characters put yep. into a really weird situation. Well directed actors. Yeah, well directed actors. Very comedic, very yep. dark, pretty violent. But I haven't seen The Guard. Haven't seen that new one. I've only seen Cavalry. I kind of want to watch a new one. I need to watch Cavalry. Cavalry's great. I love The Guard. I mean, I'm a big Brendan Gleeson fan. I'm a huge Don Cheadle fan. They have excellent chemistry. What I like about his his movies is that Martin McDonough stuff is usually a little bit more absurd, yet oddly still more grounded. Whereas just from the stuff I've seen of John Michael McDonough stuff, he's like, it's definitely he definitely uh, it's still dark stuff and a heavy bend on comedy, but. 
it's I don't know I don't know how to describe it. Like the guard is like ultimately weirdly lighthearted at the end of it. Like it doesn't feel as heavy as like I you, you know how I, I almost feel like watching Seven Psychopaths. I almost felt like a little grimy and dirty watching it, right? Because it's like so hyper violent and so do you know do you know how I'm, yeah. I, I don't know how really where, to it's like where Martin McDonough straddles the well, no Martin McDonough did do Seven Psychopaths. Never mind. Yeah, Keep going. My, my I'm saying, and I think the brother does like a little bit. He's like a little safer. If that makes sense. Yeah. I and I would that. almost argue that that might be why he's not been, quote, as successful in a weird way. Yeah. And you that know? being said, like, it's, as I've only seen the, uh, only seen Calvary by him. Yeah. Calvary was a movie, I think, up until the end, I really, really liked. And, yeah. like, towards the end kind of falls apart. But Does speaking it? of towards the end uh, with three billboards. Three billboards, yeah. Um, one of my only other complaints is that it. <laughs> I was with it the whole time. When it ends, I love the way it ends. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'm not saying they should have shaved parts off of this movie. Maybe when I watch it again, I'll, I'll be like super there the whole time. There were a few moments where I was like, okay, like I get it, move it along. It's uh, still going on. Like, where could they have restructured the story or edited things out to really make this movie feel a little bit more streamlined? But sure. which is weird because the whole movie does have like a really good flow right. the whole time. Um, so very good. Though it's funny when we were talking about the whole term "perfectly fine." I would almost use the term "perfectly fine" to describe this film, but it's like right a step above. So I guess I'd just say it's it's a it's a great film. But whenever I hear the term great, I think like... Oh 10 out of God. 10. Yeah, whereas this is like definitely an 8 out of 10. Yeah. Maybe a 7. I don't think it's his best best film by any means. I don't think it's better than In Bruges. No. Um, I do think it's probably one of... Like if I were to make a top 10 list of films this year, although I don't even know if I could do that. I think I've seen t- 10 new films this year. Yeah, I'm like... Oh. Um, I feel like it'd be like either in the later end or like the honorable mentions. Right. Uh, I didn't love it as much as a lot of the other review reviews I saw. Yeah, because it seems to be getting pretty rave reviews. I'm like the, the, ca- the, the acting is fantastic. I was going to say, looking at the cast, it looks like a cast of it. Like just looking at the cast, looks like one of those movies you'd be like, "Oh, this movie's amazing." Oh, and I mean, he does do what he does really well. There are moments where things happen where I was like, "Oh, whoa!" Did not see that coming. It's and a, it's always a good feeling. You know what's interesting is that. The way you describe this movie as being like maybe like some fat needed to be trimmed even though it flows really well. That kind of reminds me of my feelings on Steven Soderbergh's new one, L- Logan Lucky. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like I'm not like a diehard Soderbergh fan or anything. But he definitely has a style. And it's like kind of snappy. And like you can almost yep. – I say Steven Soderbergh. And I feel like you can already hear the montage set to some like jazz fusion track. You know, and like somebody's still like, all right, here's what we're going to do. And this movie definitely, you know what I mean, though. <laughs> yeah. And this, it was really funny because we, when we, we saw that in theaters this summer, which is obviously why I haven't really covered it on the show. But um, when we saw that in theaters, I remember thinking, like, man, this looks like somebody trying to make a Soderbergh movie, yeah, and just not being as good at it. But then he made it, and I thought it was weird because this was like post his retirement. So th- please don't get me wrong, Logan Lucky's like a ton of fun. But if you've seen any of his other heist movies, they're just way better. So it's like, uh, like Adam Driver's performance, really funny and like dopey and understated. Channing Tatum continuously proves that he's not as one note as you all assumed he would be when he yeah. first showed up on the scene. Still not as great as people will have you believe either. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he can act his way out of a bag, I think would be the original complaints. But I was just thinking about that because like that movie for me really read like... Wouldn't it be great if I could remake Ocean's Eleven with a few weirder characters, a smaller cast, and budget, 
And if I could tone the fun down to like 60% instead. So it like at times it feels like oddly bloated, but then moves along just fine. Like it was snappy and funny and quippy. I just couldn't put my finger on it after the fact. I was like, yeah, it's like a seven out of 10. And literally the next thing we did, it was funny because Lindsay hadn't seen any of his other stuff. So after that, I was like, oh, well, we're going to watch Out of Sight. We're going to watch Ocean's Eleven. And she watched Ocean's Eleven. She's like, this is almost the exact same movie except like 10 times more fun to watch. And I'm like, that's a little disappointing. So not that McDonough was like remaking something of his own, oh, but yeah, yeah. just that vibe of like, could we have trimmed something from this and still gotten the movie that flows as well? Yeah. I'm curious about that. But I guess I would tell people to watch Logan Lucky, though, if not for nothing else for Adam Driver's performance and Daniel Craig. Yeah, I've always heard uh, from you and a few of my other friends that saw Logan Lucky that Adam Driver is, is great. <laughs> so understated. It's so simple and funny. I can't wait till he's in something that's just like, you know, like, oh my Amazing. God, that was, that was his role. Yeah. I think he's great as Kylo Ren. And I'm glad that he was... I'm, I'm curious to see what happens in the new movie with him. I think he will pro- hopefully get some chances to flex his chops. Yeah. Um, I think the only other uh, thing... Uh, movie-wise that I wanted to talk about real quick was the the, the movie Good Time. Yes. Um, because that is easily in my top five favorite films of the year. Um, I, it came out back in August. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see it at Esquire. It just totally passed me by. And I regret it now. This is a movie that I would have loved to have seen on the big screen. It is uh, a movie by the Softy Brothers. Their first film, I think, was called... I know I'm going to have the name wrong. Beyond Heaven or something like that. Um it was a story about drug addiction. One of those titles that, like, guaranteed that I was skipping over it on Netflix. Oh, almost. Because, like, it's just a kind of a generic title. But I remember that one getting pretty good reviews when it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a lot of the same cast that's in Good Time. Um, uh, I've watched a lot of interviews with the directors. They seem really interesting. Like, super down to earth. Like, a little nerdy, but not, like, Tarantino annoying nerdy right. at all. And this film also stars Robert Pattinson of Twilight fame, as well as... Uh, he's other, been some other stuff. He's been he a lot a of... He Cronenberg st- movie about the limousine. <sighs> well, that yeah, was, that was but like, you know what I mean? I'm just like trying to think of things that weren't... Because the only other thing I could think of beyond that was him in a Harry Potter movie. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, been, he's been in some other stuff, which is correct. Uh, this is his first... Obviously not his first film outside of those, outside of the uh, Twilight movies being the, the lead star. This is the first movie, in my opinion, since those were he is outstanding like he this cements him as potentially being one of the great actors down of this the, generation da, yeah, yeah down the line like he nails this performance uh what i love about this movie is that the <laughs> i love heist films and i love the, the premise for this is that um robert pattinson and benny softy who's uh was acts in the movie as well as co-directed it um, are brothers. So Robert Pattinson wants to rob a bank. Benny Softy's character, who plays his brother, is uh, mentally retarded. And he basically convinces his brother to do this with him. So in his mind, in Robert Pattinson's mind, the character, his name's Connie. In Connie's mind, he wants to do this for him and his brother so that he can get his brother out of his grandma's house. He can take, like, take control, but he, he really has this kind of, like, I am doing something... Um, good here. I am going to, I'm going to save my brother. We're going to get out of this stupid situation. We're going to get out of New York. We're going to go live in like the country, blah, 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 blah. Right. But inadvertently makes everything worse, right. you know? Um, so it has a, a lot of very tense scenes. Uh, it, what's so great about this is that it's not just a heist movie. It's more of like a chase movie. If that makes cool. any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, 
so many things happen in this film that you just don't expect. Like, it's not like a, oh, what a twist. It's definitely like a, oh my God. Right. You just can't predict it. Sure. Uh, there is a scene involving acid, as in the drug, as in LSD. I'm just going to say that, that if once you see the, the movie and you'll, you'll know what scene I'm talking about, it is messed up. And I can only really put it that way, which is really funny because when you think of acid, you think of like the little blotter things on pieces of paper yeah. that you put in your mouth. And this is not that. I've been, I keep telling my friends, I'm like, you got to go see it. It involves LSD at one point <laughs> in the movie. And when you see it, your eyes will go wide because you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. Um, I love their directing style too. It definitely has this very urban snap to it. Sure. Well, lots of these, uh, really a lot of nice tracking shots through the streets um, while also being kinetic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really funny. There's actually a scene in the movie that I, when, I, when the scene came up, I didn't think it was going to work. It was this dude in the back seat telling the main character, Connie, like how he got to this hospital or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it plays off as almost like a weird like Tarantino flashback or something where he's like, oh, well, me and the boys were doing this and blah, 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 blah. And I kept watching the scene and I'm like, wow, this scene is super enjoyable. I do not know what this has to do with the movie. And then they tie it all back. And it makes so much sense by the end of the scene where you're like, oh, oh, no, they... They didn't oh. have, yeah, no, they, they kind of needed this in there. Right. Like they could have had it filmed a million different ways or shortened it. Sure. But, uh, no, they are now directors where I like cannot wait to see what they do next. Sure. There's so Hopefully much. Hopefully made some money for them. Uh, the other thing, easily the best soundtrack of the year. Cool. Uh, they got some electronic artists to do it. I'll leave his name in the show notes. Okay. That soundtrack, oh my God, I could just listen to it all day. It makes me feel like I'm in some weird eighties movie. Cool. But it's also not like up your butt with the eightiesness. Right. It's like, like definitely oh. like has a, it has like a lot of that synth sound that you'd hear in the eighties, but a lot of just driving percussion and melodies that, it's uh, like what you want the nostalgia baiting to be precisely. It's like nostalgia baiting, but with a purpose right. and that purpose definitely transcends just being nostalgia baiting. You could tell like this movie wouldn't be half the movie it is without the soundtrack. That's awesome. And that's how movies should be. And I feel like you don't, that's not something that you see very often in film. Especially not anymore. And and especially with the rot. And I hate, again, I just to keep throwing shade at Marvel, but I kind of have to blame the success of like guardians of the galaxy for that a little bit, because we've now had this surge in the last five years of like, now every movie has a 1970s, arena rock soundtrack right yeah and I, I miss the days of good scores i mean hell let's be real honest i can't think of the last movie with like a memorable score maybe the lord of the rings you know what i mean like it, no it's it's actually something and honestly maybe next week we'll talk about that a little bit we'll just talk about some of our, our audio favorite. is incredibly important to film there, there's, a, there's a reason when we think of the exorcist halloween star wars indiana jones right uh, like a million other movies we don't just think of the images, we think of the theme. Right. And I do think that's very important. Now, obviously, with a movie like Good Time, I'm not like, there's not like a Good Time theme. No, but, but you the can music like... just was interwoven into the story exactly. so well. Where it's, an, it's another character, and I think that's how it should be. Oh, totally. I Same wish... thing with like sound design, like when, when directors like have very specific, like Darren Aron- Aronofsky's really good at that, especially his early stuff. I still haven't seen Mother yet, but that'll hit digital here very soon so I can watch that. Yeah. But like, um, Aronofsky was another one of those guys that made his sound design like one of the characters. Like, tell me 
that if I say the words Requiem for a Dream, you don't think of the sounds of taking drugs. Does. It's like, I like can hear that. Like, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, and it, and it becomes a life, right? Like, you're going to remember stuff like that. It's really weird. I don't. I think a big thing is we're running out of good composers. You know, yeah. Hans Zimmer's been doing a good job, but Hans Zimmer kind of like, I think he did a weird thing where he like un- accidentally shoehorned himself into a corner because of the Inception soundtrack. You know what I mean with the 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 foghorn blare. You know what's so funny though is that like I remember was it last summer, uh, maybe it was this past summer where it, it was at Coachella he played and he did like the Inception theme. It was but, killer. Like, it was awesome because it wasn't just the bond. It was yeah. like everything else that made that soundtrack. It awesome. was because the soundtrack became a meme because of the the trailers. Yeah, and then you know? everybody was not. Uh, and what's funny off. is, in the context of the film, that noise takes on a whole new thing because that noise is the sound of something slowed down. Yeah, it's like not a foghorn or something. I always thought that was really clever. I was like, oh, he's doing interesting stuff, but then he keeps getting removed from movies. You've got another guy. What's his name? Andre or Alexandra Desplat. I'm probably mispronouncing the crap out of his last name. He's done a bunch of weird stuff, and then. I got really hyped. Again, this is one of those things that I, I'm sorry to keep bringing it back to big blockbuster stuff, but I was really excited about Rogue One when that first started getting hot because it was oh. like Gareth Edwards. I was like, he's not my favorite, but he's like an interesting pick for director. And then they, and then he was like, I'm bringing this guy on a score. And I was like, oh, we're going to get a weird Star Wars score. I'm excited. And then they fired him and replaced him with the like this guy, Michael Giacchino, I think is how you pronounce his name, or Giacchino uh-huh. or something. But he scores everything. He is super vanilla. I'm sure he's talented and nice, but I, I just I, I don't I can't hum one of his scores. You know I think if I'm not mistaken I'm pretty sure he does the Marvel scores. I think he's done all of the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie scores. You know I'm sure they're like in the moment probably grand and work, but there's not there's like no iconography anymore, right? You know what I mean? Like yeah. I feel like there's no one passionate enough to do that. So I'm sure there are people passionate enough. They're just not allowed to work in Hollywood for whatever reason. I think, and I, I think next week we'll, I'll, um, me and you, before, we should do like a paper on this. Yeah. We'll definitely like go through and try to find some movies that have the best soundtracks, what made them work, uh, why they work, put some examples of the music so, in. It's going to be an hour long discussion on why Brian De Palma's blowout is the best meta movie about sound design and probably the only meta movie about <laughs> sound design. Well, it's been 42 minutes. I think that, I'm sure people it's, heard it's, us talking it's, enough. It's a nice little comeback from being away for exactly. a few weeks. Um, as always, you're listening to this on Radio Artifact. Uh, RadioArtifact.com, 1660 AM. It might be on 91.7 WVXU HD2, streaming locally in Cincinnati. We're trying to go FM very hard, but there's just a lot of... you. I'm sure you can imagine when two creative giants like Radio Artifact and the Cincinnati Public Radio join forces that there's going to be a little bit of, not difficulty in the bad way, but, you know, management that has to occur in order to make sure that we're oh, all yeah. doing everything great. Checks so, and balances. Yeah, exactly. Balances. It's, a killer, uh, it's a killer get for us, so I'm really excited. Uh, depending on when you hear this, um, I actually got interviewed by City Beat. I didn't want to tell anybody. But that should be coming out. I don't know when that's coming out, actually. I think the article was due Wednesday of this week. So hopefully it'll hit this current week. I don't know. It'll be all over Facebook, and I'll yeah, share I would, it over the page. I so would imagine it'll be this week. I talked about this show. I talked about my show on Friday, the weekly hookup. Although I think it's still going to be predominantly about this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that'll be another place to look for us in the meantime. But speaking of Fridays, make sure you listen to the weekly hookup at 5 o'clock, right? Driving yes. time? Yes. Perfect. Unfortunately, this week... 
I will be on hiatus again just because work has gotten the best of me again. And it oh. is really hard to produce multiple shows and work schedules out. And I'm booking a big New Year's Eve party. December is a fun month for me, and I love Christmas and everything. But it's really, 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 really stressful. Like, no free time month. So yep. it's one of those like, well, that. all right, we're done doing this. Great. i got to go drive across town to go try to create another piece of media that I don't know if anybody's going to watch or respond to. Great. I'm going to go do that. And then i got to go do this again. And I do this. Wince, rinse, wash, and repeat every single day of my life. So, well, it's a good thing <sighs> we work together in the same office, so it's less like going somewhere. It's exactly. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. Exactly. We, we can, can do just this go great. to the separate room and do this. You're like, all right, it's five o'clock. Let's go record. You know. Um, so, if you guys ever have any questions, want to know more about the show, make sure to email us at sincinemasnobs at gmail Wait, that is what it is, right? Yes. Cinemasnobs yeah, yeah. at gmail.com. I kept thinking it was Cinemasnobs show, but I know it's not. That's the yeah, I think mine. Yeah, I think you're right there. And I Anyways, think that's C I N C I N E M A S N O B S at gmail.com. Yeah, would have none of you have written me anything yet. I just keep getting unsolicited penis photos <laughs> from Steven Spielberg. From Steven Spielberg, which is great. Yeah, dude. It's very it's, weird. He's like, hey, I, sir, I, sir, I heard you skip my movie BFG. You want to see the new one I'm working on? BFD. And <laughs> And I'm like, what does that say? Oh, big friendly. Okay. Yikes. Oh, Steven. Yeah. You scoundrel. Big friendly dinosaur. He just sends me Jurassic Park clips. If you're listening to this on the radio station and want to listen to older episodes and or don't get to check it out on Thursdays, we do have this up on SoundCloud as well as Google Play Music. So make sure to subscribe there. Uh, I'm sure in the future we'll, we'll release a little standalone things that just go up online and not as part of the radio station. That hasn't happened yet. Um, but yeah, make sure you subscribe there. Keep listening to Radio Artifact for other great content. Uh, Mark's other show, Weekly Hookup. I know that they have tons of stuff involving local musicians and artists and all that jazz. Yeah. But until next time. And, no next and absolutely no jazz. <laughs> no jazz. Is that what you said? <laughs> There I'm just go. kidding. I love jazz. Just don't tell Nick Triantos, jazz ex- expert and extraordinary. I'll make sure he listens to this episode. Uh, this is, episode doesn't have enough probiotics in it for him. Yet. Yet. That's true. <laughs> Download the probiotic DLC now. <laughs> Thanks for listening as always, everybody. Uh, next week, you'll listen to Mark talk about The Last Jedi for a straight hour. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>